You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. Patient-centered care is a hot topic in healthcare these days. Patient-centeredness is one of the six domains of quality issued by the Institute of Medicine, the others being safe, effective, equitable, efficient, and timely. And usually when we talk about patient-centeredness, we're talking about policy aspects or system delivery aspects. But today, we have a lovely focus on the science side of patient-centeredness. That's the topic of personalized medicine. How might personalized medicine impact cardiovascular care in the years to come? It's a privilege today to welcome Dr. Jeff Ginsberg, founder of the Center for Genomic Medicine at Duke Institute for Genome Sciences and Policy. Dr. Ginsberg is also professor of medicine and pathology at Duke University School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Ginsberg. Thank you, Jenna. It's great to be here. Maybe you could give our listeners a primer. We've all heard about personalized medicine, but you're in the expert seat. Tell us what that really means. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, this, this question comes up all the time because the term personalized medicine means so many different things to different people. About 10 years ago, I think personalized medicine appeared in the lay press as being synonymous with targeted therapies and, and designer drugs. And now over the last 10 years, Personalized medicine has come to mean a very broad and rapidly advancing field of healthcare that is informed by a person's unique clinical, genetic, genomic, and environmental information. I think most physicians and healthcare providers today have actually all been practicing personalized medicine. It's just that now we have much more powerful tools to deploy, and so we've really gotten better at it. Fifty years ago, the Framingham Heart Study gave us the term risk factor that allowed us to better stratify or personalize risk and allow us to focus on individuals who needed therapy the most. But today, personalized medicine takes advantage of our genomes and genomic information, which has really provided us with a broad molecular understanding of disease that has allowed us to develop more preventive healthcare strategies and optimize drug therapies. So The overarching goal for personalized medicine, I guess its definition, is to optimize medical care and outcomes for each individual and their treatments, including their medication types and doses, that really takes advantage of the full complement of information that we have available based on the clinical characteristics of an individual as well as their underlying genes and makeup of of their genomes. I think you make such an important point there that healthcare professionals, clinicians, take care of one person at a time. So they have a history of personalizing that care. But what you're telling me is the tools and the instruments and the knowledge that we have now allows us to go deeper into that individual to help select their treatment. That's absolutely right. With the completion of the Human Genome Project in 2003, or the sequencing of the human genome, and all the technologies that have been spawned from it, and the enormity of biological information now that has that those tools are enabling us to deliver, gives us really an unprecedented opportunity to do personalized medicine in the most effective way, probably in a way that we've never had the opportunity to do before this time in medicine. So it has taken, I think, the opportunity that we've all had as practicing physicians and has elevated to a new level of customization. 
I've been struggling to think about how in the world you could share the breadth of your knowledge with us. I wonder if it could be by describing some of the work you're doing at Duke, some of the top priorities of your institute. We've been thinking about the fact that the human genome and its information would be available for several years. So the question that we've been thinking about is, what would the future of medicine be like and how do we develop a translational path from the laboratories that are finding amazing things out about cancer and infectious disease and cardiovascular disease using the genome and and how do we translate that into tools that clinicians can use in day-to-day practice. So, for example, a major focus of our institute has been on cancer genomics and trying to look at the underlying makeup of patients' tumors as a, molecularly as a means to assist oncologists in how to better guide standard of care treatments. And we've developed a series of molecular signatures that are the basis of clinical trials now, whose goals are to more to select the optimal combinations of therapy for patients with breast, lung, or ovarian cancers. And we think in the next couple of years, many of these signatures will be available to the oncology community such that Instead of having response rates of 20 or 30 percent to a particular drug for an individual patient, we might be able to increase those response rates to 50 or 60 percent because we've really selected the right therapies for those patients on the basis of their individual molecular profiles. And that becomes really the paradigm for how we see most of medicine being practiced. Oncology just seems to be right now at the forefront, but I think other areas of medicine, cardiovascular disease, as you mentioned, Infectious disease and many inflammatory diseases are not too far behind in using these novel tools and techniques to really improve our ability to make better medical decisions and really to have precision medical care. Oh, I love that phrase, precision medical care, considering that in the past we've had more of a shotgun approach than a laser, would you say? Well, to some extent, I think that's true. As I said earlier, I think the tools have been somewhat blunted and we're now refining them. But I would also say that the pharmaceutical industry has not up until recently embraced the concept of targeted therapies. A one-size-fits-all approach and a blockbuster approach to developing drugs is what the industry has been formed on over many, many decades. But even now, the that industry is realizing that the blockbuster model is not sustainable and that developing targeted therapies that use pharmacogenetics or genetic biomarkers or genomic biomarkers to tailor the care to an individual is the way to go in clinical trials and drug development have now begun to incorporate those markers as a means of selecting patients for clinical trials. So we will see, I think, a a radical change in the way that new drugs are approved in combination with diagnostic testing that will take it from that blunt and perhaps broad and imperfect approach to something that's more precise. There are obvious economic forces at work here, correct, as the pharmaceutical industry transitions from the older model to this newer one? No doubt. And I would hesitate to say that it's actually made that transition. I would say that there are certain companies that are seeing this as the future and others that have not quite bought into it. But clearly, the forces that are working on this are really related to the cost of developing drugs. And if companies could be doing clinical trials that are shorter and require less patients, and instead of costing a billion dollars to develop a drug, which it which is pretty much what it costs today, if if those costs could be reduced to something half or a quarter of that, that might be afforded by biomarker-enabled drug development. 
So the economics forces are, I think, what's really driving this paradigm shift in, in drug development. But I would also say the same forces are driving the paradigm shift to patient care. We can't afford to just give everybody, let's say, a statin for hypercholesterolemia because we don't know that that statin will work in everybody. We've got to figure out better ways to tailor the right therapy to the right patient. Well, and it sounds as though this new world that we could or are about to live in also means getting those specific treatments to the right patients in a shorter time interval. Well, certainly trying to achieve our therapeutic goals in the shortest time period possible is is something that we we would all like to see rather than the trial and error approach where you have to have a patient come back and that drug isn't working, so we need to try a new one. If we had some way of determining up front what are the drugs that a patient is most likely to respond to, or on the other hand, if we had a way of determining which patients might have no response or worse, an adverse response to a drug before we even administered the therapy, that would be, I think, a holy grail of medicine. And that is really what the the field of pharmacogenetics is, 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 is trying to achieve. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright, and our guest today is Dr. Jeff Ginsberg, founding director of the Center for Genomic Medicine at the Duke Institute for Genome Sciences and Policy and professor of medicine and pathology at Duke University School of Medicine. We're talking about personalized medicine, and now we'll talk about personalized medicine in the field of cardiology. So, Jeff, honing down, we're, we're both cardiologists. It's hard to, hard to put us both in that same boat, but talk to us about what are the likely applications, what's new and happening in personalized medicine within cardiology? That's a great question, um, and as I said earlier, I think cardiology was kind of at the forefront of personalized medicine in really the first publication of the term risk factor or factor of risk came out of the Framingham Heart Study in 1961. And then, as we all know, cholesterol, male sex, tobacco use, diabetes, family history of coronary disease were all risk factors that emerged from that study that enabled our field to define who might be at higher risk for a heart attack within a 10-year time period and, and maybe to really stratify our population to be more aggressive, to apply more aggressive treatments to those individuals. And that was, like I said, nearly 50 years ago. And But cardiology has had its challenges, I think, in really embracing the new personalized medicine out of a lot of the genome technologies until recently. I would say that for an, a great example of tailored therapy really came out of work in the 1990s with 2B3A inhibitors are used in the setting of acute myocardial infarction. And then when studies showed that individuals with elevated troponin levels were the ones that were most likely to benefit from it. And I think that's a, that's a terrific example of tailoring therapy to individuals who might benefit it from it the most as opposed to giving it just to everybody. But the field is beginning to move forward. The FDA has, over the last two years, has approved the labeling of very commonly used antiplatelet agents with genetic information. Uh, Warfarin is a great example of a drug that has a very narrow therapeutic index that's used by millions of people in the United States or uh, or ten times that around the world. And it has a very... um, important genetic underpinning to what regulates its dosing. And two genes, uh, the names of which probably will not mean very much to you or your audience, but the CYP2C9 gene and the VKORC1 genes play a significant role in 
um, regulating the response of individuals to various doses of warfarin, and the, and the mutations in those genes are now information that's on the label for, for warfarin and is uh, meant to help physicians potentially guide the use of that drug. Another antiplatelet agent recently, uh, as recently as two months ago, uh, clopidogrel, was found to have another um, drug metabolizing enzyme, CYP2C19, the gene for which um, has several mutations that play uh, a role as to whether individuals will respond to that drug after PCI. And the incidence uh, clinically of of, uh, myocardial infarction and death, as well as stent thrombosis, is much higher in individuals who are taking that drug who who have the mutation that block its action. So I think... Uh, and this, too, is uh, something that's been the subject of, uh, of an FDA labeling change. Uh, I think these are a couple of important examples of where uh, pharmacogenetics is, is beginning to play a potentially significant role in the management of a large number of, of cardiovascular patients uh, in the acute setting. And sort of if we really want to think about where the future will be, it's going back to that um, Framingham notion of risk. And so what we would really like to do is is identify individuals at risk for cardiovascular events in the future at a time when they're healthy and uh, where a more preventative strategy can be undertaken. And uh, for that, I think we have to rely on some early findings from the Human Genome Project and genome-wide association studies. Um, There have been a proliferation of these over the last three or four years, and there have been several very important findings in cardiovascular medicine that predict the risk of uh, coronary artery disease, of, of having myocardial infarction, of arrhythmias, uh, atrial fibrillation in particular, and how those get used and where they get uh, implemented in a uh, day-to-day primary care or cardiovascular practice is still a big question, but at least now we have uh, some new information and we can begin to look at how these uh, play out in population studies, such as a Framingham-like study, more genomic Framingham studies, is, is what I think we'll, we'll end up seeing over the next few years. Um, but I think it's that paradigm shift to acute that, uh, that will occur on the basis of some of this information, going from uh, kind of an acute crisis intervention at the time that somebody's having an event to a more perspective and predictive way of practicing cardiovascular medicine using both the old information from Framingham and similar studies and the new information coming out of uh, genetics and genomics. We've been talking with Dr. Jeff Ginsberg about the application of personalized medicine in the field of cardiology. Dr. Ginsberg, thank you so much for being our guest today. It's been my pleasure, Janet. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.